Welcome to episode 518 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 518 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good, and you? Pretty good. Yeah. Just pretty good. Yep. Mm. I was going to stop you looking out the window and I thought Bevan's going to do another weather report. And I was like, oh, please, no. But we actually had a request earlier in the week that said, keep up the weather reports, keep up the cricket updates. That's right. <laughs> so it's been raining. Been it's been raining. raining. Pretty yeah. miserable over the last few days. But John, I went, I now Australians are going to love this, John. Mm. They're going to love it. Spent last weekend in Brisbane from mm-hmm. Friday through to Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I've been to Australia a lot in my life. And I've always, I love going to Australia. I think it's a cool country. Mm-hmm. But I've never had the desire to live there. No. You know, like I think if I were, Melbourne would be a cool city to live in. I always think, mm-hmm. yeah, this would be the city. Sydney's a cool city, a bit busy for my liking. Brisbane's cool, but yeah. Went to the Sunshine Coast. Mm-hmm. Thought to myself, I could live here. <laughs> Pretty consistent <laughs> it was, weather. It was mid to high 20s. On Friday afternoon, we went to the beach probably about 4.30, mm-hmm. kicking the ball around. We thought, go for a swim. I thought, oh, it's going to be one of those moments, you know, just get in, you know, mm-hmm. just get in because it's going to be frozen nipple time. And uh, it was warm. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I thought, you're out of here. I'm gonna have, no, I think I'll just one day aim to have a house here. You know, do the old have a house here spin, you know, maybe from yeah. May through to we'll September. I am talk house over there. Rent, yeah, rent it come out. on over. Yeah. 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 I'm in for it. Let's go halves. Yeah. Anyone want to hook us up for a deal? I am talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. See my voice pitch up there. We're going to be talking to Sandy. Oh, no. Athlinks. Uh, social networking for endurance. <laughs> <laughs> Athletes. Extreme endurance. Uh, your lactic buffer. And we're going to be talking to Sandy later on in the show. And our patrons. And you know who you are, but we've got some good names here. Let's name a couple, John. Ken, rocking the free world, young. Oh, I like that. Stuart, the compass more. Glenn, slamming new bold. And we've got Kim. Oh, how's this one, John? Oh, no. That, that, flag that one. Okay. Flag it. Yep. Green, spine tingler green. Rob, spine tingler green. Oh, what did I say first? You said green, Rob, <laughs> something or other. That's first name. Robert. Yes. Is it Robert or Rob? Rob. Well, it's funny how you get some names when they... You know, when you get like, it goes for the, the, the abbreviated name, is it like a completely different name? Bob. Yeah. Mm, Dick. Yeah, like, yeah. how does that work out? Van. We'll call you Van. Be Van. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Or yeah. well, Eva. Eva? No, because yeah. it's, no, but it almost be like saying Bevan, you go, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't really make sense to me. Anyway, I'm talking proudly brought to you. Oh, no, we've already done that. But Goodness, we're a strong start to the show today. <laughs> strong start. Strong. Hopefully, this is what's coming in front of us. On this week's show, we've got some news. Uh, we've got Statistic. We've got a coach's corner, a bit of a rant from a, from a listener. Mm. And John's going to maybe clarify that. Yes. Maybe he's going to line him out a little bit. We've got my first try. We've got some questions and answers. And that's pretty much it, John Both. So, first of all, we've got some news. And we had the Ironman South American Championships happening last weekend. And John, we had an official domination of the dojo. Big time. It goes, because what was it, 15 minutes, was it, we said for a domination? Mm, I might have said 20. Well, is this 20? I think no, it is 20. Uh, no, it's not 20. It's, it's at this level, at a championship race, that's a domination yeah. of the dojo. Yeah. So it's 18. 18 yeah. minutes. Brett McMahon crushed it. Crushed it. Tell me about it. Crushed them. it on the bike. Just killed them. Oh, I didn't and re- the run? Didn't, yeah, and the run. But um, and the didn't, re- swim. didn't really know who didn't really know who was such a weapon on the bike. So Brent Man swam 47 47, 
Road 4, 11, in what sounded like pretty tricky conditions there, pretty, pretty windy and, yeah. and stuff, and then ran a 2.42 for a 7.46.10 to take home $30,000 at a regional championship race. Good on him. That's your second... No, don't you dare say that. I don't know, but you didn't let me finish. I said official Ironman race. He was 12 seconds slower than the fastest ever Ironman race, which was held by... Marino van Horner. Yeah, and that was where Austria was it. Yeah. Okay. So um, so it's only 12 seconds off. You're firing me up, Bevan. It's the second fastest of all time, John. Mm. Yep. Second fastest. Amazing, Brett. It's pathetic when they do this. Ironman and other reporting websites. Do your job. Yeah, we, I mean, we pride ourselves on our research. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we never we get anything wrong. We are the beacon wrong. of research when but it comes come to... come on, that's just pathetic. Well, there's one childish. website that does a good job, try247.com. So that's what I thought. I thought when I saw that result, I thought, buddy hell, that must be one of the fastest of times of all time. John so Levinson, he does this. Try247.com. Um, with, yeah, John Levinson from the UK. And yeah, it's great. He's got his, his sub-eight-hour list for the boys and sub-nine-hour list for the girls. And that really details to you where's been the fastest, who's been the fastest, how many times they've been fast, etc. So, but it uh, is actually one of the fastest of all time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Iron Man reporting it as being the second fastest Iron Man of all time. Where um, it's a, a reputable websites say it's the third fastest Iron distance time. The problem is, as you were going to say, I bet I know what you're going to say. Is none of these distances are right anyway. So really, what the hell? That wasn't what I was going to say. But wasn't it? But yes, that's what I was going to say, John. <laughs> None of these distances are correct. So what the hell? Yeah. Well, I think the problem is, it's kind of, you know, you know when you've got an insight into a world mm. and you watch the news and they do reporting and you're going to go, well, that's not right. Yeah. And yeah. so then you kind of, you look at the news channel. I remember once someone said to me, you kind of hard to trust the news because whenever they report on a thing you know really well, they'll kind of mm. do a bad job. Mm. So then how can you trust them in everything else? And that's the problem is when you do something like this and you're reporting, just be honest. Just say it's the mm. third fastest distance race of all yeah. time. Now, sure, you could argue what John was saying about, you know, the fact that, wow. Course diff- accuracy. Yeah, course accuracy. But it still is, you know. Mm. You know. So, so Andreas Rader, it's got the top spot. Marino Van Holnacken now will have the... Still has second spot, and then Brett McMahon will go third spot. Ivan Rana's fourth, and Marino's then got the fifth, and Jan Fredino is there with the next fastest time in Frankfurt, uh, 7.49. So. Andreas's race is bloody impressive when you look at it, because Austria actually seems to be a faster race based on the fact that mm. there's more people who have gone. Because in Rote, generally speaking, it's kind of a more 7.50 course, you know, mm. because there's lots of people in the top 10, top 20 who have done Rote, but majority of them are kind of over 7.50, whereas mm. Raylert was 7.41, so he was 10 mm. minutes faster than anybody else at Rote. Mm. And the thing is, we're talking rock stars here. Mm. You know, we're not talking plebs. It's not like he's mm. just a good guy who turned up to a bad field yeah. or over history. He is, he's, you know, the guys who have done wrote, it's the best the stars, yeah. Mm. And so that shows how impressive that 2011 of performance of Andreas Raylert was. Mm. That was phenomenal. Yeah, Supreme Man, amazing day at the office. Yeah, is he still not, so he's still not done a... S- his, his only sub eight, over eight has been Kona. Uh, everything else, every other race that he's done has been... best Kona? He's only done Kona once. What did he do? Can you remember? He, he did. A, he did a right. He didn't do great. I think he was like ninth or something like that. Or so he was in the top ten. Yeah. So great. But do you think he can win Kona? Yeah. 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 He's one of. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely think he's got the Cause he's capacity. Complete to, performance, wasn't it? Yeah. 
So he's got the run to do it. He's got the swim to do it. And it's just, you know, whether he can position himself on the bike. And well, based judging on bike, by this, yeah, he's, maybe yeah. he's improved his biking a little bit. So he was he was such a good 70.3 athlete there for a while. Uh, and now he's, he's, well, he's consistent, you know. Well, I think this performance puts him on the map for this year, doesn't it? The bike, you know, the fact that he has put a, you know, 4 yeah, bike in. Yeah, he was on the map last year. It's just, you know, first time in Kona. So... Bevan, as I keep telling you, the ITU boys are coming, first and second. So, great performance, and uh, Tim Don was, was second in 8.04, just edging out Kevin Collington from USA in 8.04 uh, by about sort of 40-odd seconds. Paul Matthews, fourth, and Pedro Gomes in fifth. Ronnie Shieldnick was down in seventh. He was probably the only one that didn't go quicker than expected. Everybody else seemed to go uh, quicker than expected. Yeah, fast, eh? So, whilst a bit of rain, that probably helped it cool and, it down. And uh, Tawson was saying that McMahon, Don, and Matthews are now pretty much guaranteed for Kona at the stage so the nice. points from that race so that's good to hear uh girl side of things this is with i was also set a course record down there and whilst we jump up and down about um you know uh 746 which is incredible elizabeth lyles did a, a sub nine so good to see her back in the winner's circle swam 56 rode 448 and then ran a 303 for an 854 beating out maureen huff from germany by around about 15 minutes and Garutz Frades Larida from España was in third place. So, yeah, only in a championship race, only had sort of 16 pro men and nine pro women. There's so. a problem with the championship races right now, but we talk, I know we have talked about this a bit lately, but I interviewed Pete Jacobs yesterday, which we're going to have on the show in the next couple of weeks, and I was just asking him if he likes the idea of Ken's being the championship mm. race, and he was actually really keen on the idea, and I was like, oh, what about earlier in the year, but... You know, pretty much we've got three championship races happening in six weeks, mm. you know, and it's a problem to me. It, that is a problem. So problem, yes, but I'd say the, the championship races are drawing better fields than the old system where it was just, you know, um, a bunch yeah. of Ironmans all over the place. You know, this is a much stronger field than what you would get in Brazil had it just been Ironman Brazil. So, yes, could be better. And um, when you look at the field for Ironman Kens, I had a quick look at that yesterday. Really good, strong field. So, I think it's working. It's not as good as Melbourne, it, but. No, not as good as Melbourne, but yeah. could work, um, could could be better, but uh, better than what it was. So, good stuff. Basically, I'm starting to lobby for Tapo. Yes. My lobby, John. I'm going to be like one of those people in American politics. Yep. Don't don't vote. It's no point. The lobbyists are controlling the country team. Uh, um, one other thing I will say, and I'm not going to tell you all about it, is uh, Torsten on tryrating.com, which we love that website. Mm. I basically go there for all my results for, for, for Ironmans because it's just going to tell you so much more information than what you'll get off ironman.com. Uh, he's also got on there an article that he wrote around about what happened to the GPS tracking. So mm. we remember back to last Brazil year. Have it. Yeah, they they had, uh, they had the little chips you sort of carried and they didn't have any at South Africa. Apparently they did have something maybe at, um, at Brazil, but it wasn't the same system that they've had in the past. So if you want to find out what's been happening with GPS tracking, Torsten's done his investigating. Check it out on tryrating.com. But I think one key point is that it seems to be a dead thing at this stage. Uh, they're trying different means by this, from what I could see. Yeah, so mm. we're good if they get it back. Mm. You know, surely they'll have for Kona. You would certainly hope so. You can't, you can't go back in Kona. Mm. You know, you can't take a step back. Because mm. last year there was pretty cool. You know, having it was the GPS. Good. Yeah. yeah. So, 
Okay, Jumbo, what else do we have? We've got, uh, coming up this weekend, we've got Ironman France. Oh, this is the race. Out of all Ironman races, this is probably one that I would love to go and do. Just a really cool course. You have this beautiful swim in the sea where it could be you know, a little bit rolly, a little bit choppy, and then the most amazing bike course where you've got cli- loads and loads of climbing, but it's such that... It's pretty slow, really, when you look at the previous winner's time. So, you know, last year, 9.24 for the guys no yeah. previous winners no well this is what says on oh no. sorry Eight twenty-seven. <laughs> yeah no so what i was going to say is whilst it's a it's a challenging bike course with a lot of climbing it's such that if you're a good rider you can actually still do a really respectable bike time you've got a lot of downhill in the second half so it's net you know you're basically climbing up and down all the way through south and then almost you know a really big chunk of the second half is downhill all the way back to sea level so you can get off the bike feeling good and ready for the run and if you can ride well on the hills you can get really good speed if you're slacking off on the downhills then you're going to, you're going to have a crappy bike time but if you really keep the, the the foot down then you can do really well so last year we had boris stein take it out in 827 so he Not rode it for 441 <laughs> so that's still a pretty respectable bike bike time it's not the you know 420s 410s we see at other races but it's still uh still pretty solid caitlin snow took out the girls race last year in uh, 924 uh so this year we've got a pretty good field actually freddie van laird's coming back he's won the race a few times before so yeah, and he's got the course record by a significant margin like he basically did an 808 on that course which is pretty impressive <sighs> Very impressive. Because if you look at the other previous times, none of them are in the nine hours. Uh, most of them are kind of at nine twenty to nine thirty mark. Eight twenty to eight thirty. Oh god, me and my nines. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, there's only a couple in the eight twenties. Most of them in the nine eight thirty mark. Mm. And so the fact that he did an eight oh eight on that course. He went over there and a couple of times he just like crushed it. You're wondering what the hell he's doing, winning by like twenty minutes sort yeah. of thing. Now that was the year we won Kona in 2013, didn't he? Uh, yes, so, but I think he so did. So that was the year he yep. won Kona when he got the course record here as well. So, so yeah, we've, we've said it before, <clears throat> probably he's won Kona, but he's still probably one of the most underrated athletes. Had a bit of a rocky season. He fell off his bike and broke his collarbone at a race early this year. So, again, <clears throat> certainly another Kona contender on his day. Could win that race again, hands down. So he's predicted to go 8-11 versus James Kanana. Kanama. Kanamana. Is predicted to come in at second, 8.28. He, I would expect him to be closer than that. He's a better athlete than that, but he must have had a few blowouts in his results. So good to see those those two should be going head to head. You've got a few other guys, Stefan Schmidt, Victor Del Corral, um, and Mikel Brancho Tino in there. So, yeah, decent little field. Again, we're seeing consistently at these races pretty big pro fields. You got you know probably about forty five odd guys in there. Uh, girls side of things, you got Ten Dickers, Leander Cave, and uh, Kristen Moller. But I think I saw Kristen Moller's name in those results from last weekend. So I'd be surprised if she's um, backing up. And of course, the one and only Natasha Badman. Oh wow! I'm I'm, I'm interested. Is lovely. Yep, I'm interested to see how Leander Cave goes. She's um she's been around for a long while, time. Have we? Oh, she had a bit of a better season last year from memory. Yeah, but um, we've heard it from her all. Yeah, but she's getting long on the long, a bit long on the tooth in terms of being. How old do you reckon she is? Give me a give me a prediction. I, uh, she's got to be similar age to me, and I'm clicking over the four zero this year. So I would say oh, she's clicking I'd, over the four zero. I'd say she's thirty nine. No, thirty eight. Oh, it's pretty close. And no, but only just turned thirty eight. Well, March she turned okay. thirty eight. So 
She's got years before she's 40, John. Yeah. Not months, that's the thing. not she, days. If she goes on like Natasha Badman, she'll probably go off and win Kona again. Maybe she won Kona. Sorry? I'm happy she won Kona. Yeah, great. You know what I mean? Like, if, you know, because she she's a, you know, in that moment, in that kind of moment in time, she just had a dominating period, didn't she? Won 70.3, won Kona. Yeah, and, and, and then after it, she kind of fell off the wagon. But just, you know, one of those athletes who's just been the seasoned pro, mm. you know, of that pedigree, and then to knock it off with, you know, it's pretty cool for And her. one of the very few that has won ITU Worlds as well. So, yeah, probably won't go down in history as one of the greatest, but when you've won... All three distances. Uh, not many people have done that. How, okay, how many? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, they have. There's, there's not. There's go. not many. Chris McCormick. Quite. Aaron Baker. He won seventy point three world champs. Oh, no, he won long course. Yeah, there probably wasn't seventy point three. No. He was at his. Oh no, there was, but it wasn't quite the same. No, but he did, he didn't win it. Yeah, so I guess you mo you go short and long, and you go, uh, Aaron, um, Mark Allen, Karen Smyers. His yarn? Has yarn won 70.3 worlds? Yes. Yes. And um, Michaeli Jones. Jeez, you're good, John. You are pretty good. I have to give you a Come on, keep it going, mate. You can do this. Don't give me too many others. Shoulders. And then you got, yeah, you got Leander Cave. What about, what about Crowy? Crowy? No, he didn't win. Short course, did he? No, never even, never even came close. That's probably about it. Wow. So, the, so actually, she has to go down as a legend, really, doesn't she? Well, she does, but yes, will she? she? Yeah. Mm. She's not a name that pops up in your head, does she? No. no, but actually, if you look at those results, it's it's an impressive thing to do. Okay, um, what yeah. else we got coming up? We've got uh, Challenge Ven Venice. Ch Challenge Venice, the inaugural Challenge Venice. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, what a cool place to do a race. Oh, it'd be fantastic. Oh. So pretty pretty small profile. Yeah, I got engaged in Venice. So. I'm back. <laughs> You're yeah, Mr. No, Romantic. On, I didn't make it in bed. On the gondola. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, no, I've told that story before. You clearly can't have been listening. Did you think she was only got a couple of minutes to get this done because the gondola or? Well, she had no escape. That's the strategy. The no escape strategy. <laughs> what if she says no? That's that an uncomfortable ride for Uncomfortable. <laughs> Turn this thing around. Those gondolas were expensive, man. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, you get uh, taking you, the cleaners on. Did you that. like Venice? Yeah, it's great. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, really. Is, good. It, is it kind of surreal? Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's one of those places you only need a couple of, we only need a couple of days. Yeah, Does that's it enough. smell? Uh, it didn't when we were there, but it wasn't wasn't uh, middle of summer. Okay. Mm. Apparently, it does sometimes in the middle of summer. Okay. Uh, so we've got Ma Massimo Chiagna from Italy. He's a great seventy point three athlete. Don't know how much he's done at Ironman. Uh, and then you've got uh, you know Pete Babusik and sort of some of your seventy point three uh, yeah challenge regulars. So they've only got uh, about twelve on the guys and six on the girls. Eric Chalmworth there is Martina uh, Dogana. So yeah, small fields, but intrigued to see how the race goes. I I tried to figure out how many athletes were participating. So it's it is only a standalone iron distance race. It didn't look like they had a seventy point three. Granted, the website was mainly in Italian, so I was struggling to navigate my way around. But I had a look at the start list, and it looked like they had sort of six or seven hundred people racing, which for a first up iron distance race, yeah. pretty, pretty good. So hopefully they have a, have, have a really good day out there. And it's, it's uh, unlike challenges not to have with a half. Mm, it is. Because you know, they normally do kind of do the start where they mm. kind of have a few events to kind of make it successful. So mm. maybe maybe it's just the website thing. But There's, there's not, um, you know, there's, uh, I don't know if there's hardly any other iron distance races in Italy. So great that we're going to see a little bit of growth there. There is something going on there this year. I remember having it as a press release. There's definitely something in Rome, like a 70.3. I yeah. can't remember if it's going to be an Ironman, but I think as far as I remember, 
I don't think there's ever been an Ironman in Italy in terms of an official WTC race, and this, this is the first challenge one. There may have been other iron distance races. There was that Alba Man, which is an island off Italy. But, uh, Imagine yeah. if you do a 70.3 through Rome. It's a beautiful country, and it's surprising, and they've got some good athletes, so it is somewhat surprising that they've never really had a, a well-established Ironman race when it's such a cycling-mad country. So, mm. yeah, hope it goes well. Hold if anybody up. races, pop us a note, tell us what it's like. Okay, I'm um, John's ITU update. We've got Gomez and Lee took out the European Championship. So, wait, but it didn't seem like a strong field. Oh, it's a good strong field. It didn't maybe didn't have the Brownleys there and didn't have a few of the rock stars. But you know, most of the guys in the top ten are um, sort of top. Tw- Mola wasn't there either. No, top top twenty guys on the the World Championship series. So yeah, not uh, World Championship series standard race, but certainly still some good athletes. So was this the European Gomez Championship? on his way back. Yes, and. Um, Lee, haven't really heard too much about her, so maybe on the girls' side of things it was a bit weaker, but a lot of those guys are pretty strong. So march on to the Olympics if it happens. You think, seriously? No, I don't think seriously, but uh, obviously it's been the calls this week. I gave Joe the official, um, the official put me out of life for the Olympics Right Meet, meeting last week, pulled her in, Yeah. said, oh, oh, okay. you know, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm around, mm. but I'm not around. But I'm not I'm around. present, yes. but I'm not present. Yes. A sky running the Olympics? Yes. Time to sign up and stop being a cheap ass. No, no, I've got a friend's Sky account. Yeah. <laughs> trick of the trade, John. Yeah. Trick of the trade. So I've got that too. But don't, don't, don't tell Sky that. <laughs> <laughs> so just uh, go to the Olympics. Okay. Um, okay, discussion of the week, John. So last week's discussion, uh, where is it? It's up here. We've got, uh, if you were a pro with a top 10 result for Kona uh, and you just needed to really validate to get back in for this year, how would you structure a season? Tell us your master plan. Wasn't a big response to this one, I'm John. I'm going to make sure I ask a lot of the pros this year over in Kona this question because it intrigues me that, you know, I think most people, a lot of the comments here are a bit like me, is like, just go and do a late season race and then you can kind of do whatever. Yeah. Um, kind of makes sense, but not that many pros do that. Well, Joe Combs got this. He's got, um, I'd go with the Rennie strategy of six to eight weeks eight. Easy post Kona, build slowly from the new year with an April May Ironman and easy rain, a racing training race. Sorry, sharpen up with seventy point threes after that. Pros and age groupers seem to ignore the massive effect of hard Ironman has on the body, and it doesn't take long enough to recover from it, resulting in a cycle of fatigue. They never, sometimes never, seem to climb out of. Clive Asplund uh, would either race one of the late year races or choose a local race to validate the IM part of the criteria and get a few more points. That way you would uh, close the qualifying out and if more points were needed, should be able to get these from a 70.3. Okay, Christine McKinley, he's got uh, a decent off-season break. Will they only race? Are they overseas at the moment? Sorry? Are they, are they overseas at the moment? When do they go overseas? No, not yet, no. They no. can't be far away. Yeah, not too far away. Yeah, because they're doing your camp, aren't they? Mm. Uh, then, since I am a pro and living an endless summer, choosing early season, a southern hemisphere race in Australia or New Zealand to get the validation out of the way, but also hope to earn some money as you still have to earn a living. Then spend the rest of the northern hemisphere summer sharpening up and hurting myself with a mix of 70.3s in Olympic distances as you can earn a lot more and race a lot more. Being a guest pro at training camps to get some training in at good locations and promote my sponsors personally, then hopefully improve on the previous year's race in Kona. 
Nice one. Rob Gray, um, easy. Florida or Arizona right after Kona. Then the eggnog strategy over December, followed by a harsh reality check in February. Then back to a bunch of 70.3 races May through August to get sharp again with the final six weeks spent in Kona, living on a cave on the volcano like Peter Reid did with all that genius strategy. It would be podium time. Where was that to me? Eggnog. Sorry? Eggnog. Mm. Have you heard that? No, I don't know that I ever have. I think I have once when I was a kid, and it's actually it's yummy. Mm. I think there's a lot of sugar in there. It'll mm. probably kill you because sugar kills you, but, you know. Um, Lucy Francis, I would go on holiday to Mexico Caribbean uh, and then race Ironman Cozumel in November. The rest of the year, I would pick a bucket, a mix of bucket list sponsor-relevant races and promotional work so that I could offer value to the brands without having to kill myself. Uh, Ian Edgar, I would wake up from my dream and remember that I'm a fat lad that competes, compete, completes, not completes. And lastly, Justin Hunt, uh, bullet point one, Lanza bullet point two, Frankfurt. Ah, so he would do sort of the, that method, yes. Well, you know what, in the last few years, that method's worked. Mm. You know, because traditionally, you know, John's theory, which was very proofed on evidence, was that you do the mid-season or the late, you know, mid-season kind of big race, Germany wrote. You suffered in Kona, but in yeah. the last few years, that's been disproven. Yes, it has. So. Those athletes have been a cut above, though. <laughs> It'd be interesting. Yeah, but but, so, but the guys who were doing those races in the past were the guys who were mm-hmm. cut above as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Germany always and always had good people. Yeah. So, look, I think I'd, I'd agree with most other people on here as I would just go and do a bloody late season race and and whatever shape, whatever shape you're in, you know, have a bit of a break after Kona, you've got to recover, but, uh, you know, just go and bang it out. So and, why um, don't they? Well, the, at the end of the day, the athletes, I think they like to race. I mean, they've got to make money, and, you know, to make money for the for a lot of these, the, the real big kahunas, it's going to their local Frankfurt, or, or, or their local one, or what would champion, you know, a, a major one, and, and that's where they've got to earn money and win big races. So I think, yeah, the main two, two things going on, they like to race, got to earn um, money, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. But the running strategy to me seems to make sense. We're just going to tick one off and, and then do 70.3s. And if if you took money out of the equation, I think that's probably what I would uh, like to do as well is race 70.3s. And uh, or, or I, I think uh, Clive Aston makes a good point there. You know, maybe incorporate a race into a into a sort of a, a, a training camp situation. So you might come out to New Zealand and just be doing sort of base work rather than really getting in your A game shape for Ironman New Zealand or Lanzarote or, or one of those earlier season races, and just do it as part of your part of your off season race and, and not really being aiming to peak for it, and then sort of build into your, build into your season. So. Everybody's a little bit different. I suppose the other thing is, is these people are confident. Mm. If you're getting a top 10 in Kona, you're thinking, I'm going to qualify. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you know, You're probably not thinking, you know, or you're thinking, I want, I don't need to do it in a safe way. Mm. You know what I mean? You're thinking, well, I'm an athlete. I'm going to, I'm going to turn up to any race and, and I'm going to be able to do top 10 in Kona. I'm going to get, have a good result anywhere. And so I must, if I'm going to do an Ironman, I must make some money and net out of it as well. So and we've got to remember that Ironmans don't beat up the top pros to the same extent that they beat up age groupers. Um, it's well, not. Well, it depends on the like a Germany does. It depends on the race. No, there's still a lot, so much fitter that yeah, they'll still be really beaten up initially, but it don't, won't take that that um, sort of long, long period to recover from it compared to what an age grouper. And there's not probably that same emotional investment you know for a lot of age groupers it's 
building up that one race and then boom you cut that off and you just oh my god you know you've had to put everything on life on hold whereas the pro athletes you know it's part of their life and they're constantly building up to races so yeah but i'll be interested to see what the pros do uh, talk about it in kind of this year and, and why perhaps more of them don't do it that way Okay, this week's discussion, just Michael Kennedy sent through a question and it's basically asking what's the best ex- race experience you've ever had? Location, spectators, picturesqueness of the course. So what is the best race anywhere in the world? You only had one. It doesn't have to be iron distance. It doesn't have to be iron distance. What, if, if you were to say one single race you could do anywhere in the world, what would it be and why? Okay, Jumbo sponsor. What are we doing here, Bevan? We're doing... Athlinks.com. Athlinks.com. Yeah, we're about France. Oh, I'm at France. One of the few races that's still selling out these days. It does. There's, there's not many races that sell out, and it's not a race that goes for the sort of the 3,000, 4,000 athletes. Um, when you look at Athlinks.com, it'll sort of give you a bit of a lowdown on, you know, course stats, etc. And, you know, France has had, you know, just sort of steady growth, but then it sort of plateaus at around about that... 2,200 odd uh, finishes and that's where it seems Pretty to settle. Big. It's, it's big, um, but one loop on the bike course. I'd imagine the run, I've got a guy racing there um, next weekend and I'd imagine it gets a, it's a multiple lap on the on the run which might get a little bit messy. Um, what, two or more than? I think it's more than two. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I never like I never like that. Two laps is okay, but any more than that gets get started. Get pretty congested, wouldn't it? Yeah, like Taupo so is two thousand people on the course. Yeah, Taupo's three laps, but that's only sort of. So when you did it, it was three. Yeah, it changed to three, and it's maybe they've, uh, there they've got max fifteen hundred people. It's probably less. What was than that. Like? But you're so fast. Oh, thanks, Bevan. <laughs> oh, you are. You've been doing you know, like, like I wonder what it's like for people doing ten and a half to thirteen hours. Mm. It's well, it's not too bad in Taupo, um, but I'd much rather it be a little bit more spread out. So yeah, France, according to to you know, athletes, you can go through and through and through and it's and it's sort of it's sort of yeah. In 2011, they had 2000. Uh, 2012, they had 2,054. 2013, 2,300. 2014, 2,300. So it seems to be around that 2,300. Uh, I don't know what happened in 2010. They seem to have four and a half, four thousand six hundred. So that might be a slight error on that one. But uh, great race that they've got over there. Last year we had first. Athlinks finishes with was uh, Will Newbury in nine forty three and Amy Van Tassel in ten twenty nine. Boris Stain took it out in nine twenty three. Average time for the boys, and this is one of the great things on Athlinks. You can go through and figure out averages and suss people out. Twelve hours thirty for the boys and uh, and thirteen twelve on the girls. So I'd say the girls on average are doing a little bit better. They're only forty two minutes behind. Yeah, at other races we yep. see it's often sort of around that that hour mark. Um, you do have that massive difference again. So I think this is the last year I'm looking at. Uh, 20, yeah, 2015. 2,093 male finishes, 157 female finishes. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah, it's, it is kind so of... So if you've got a race coming up and you want to figure out, you know, average times, perhaps even ratios of boys to girls, then check it out athlinks.com geek out on your race okay guys do you want some music i want some music some music maybe make it firing up music because really our person submitted it, this information got fired up okay here we go see coaches corner 
well, hell, they might have. <laughs> you know, but, okay, so we got an email through. We did, a few weeks ago, John did an interview, and I wasn't actually doing an interview, but just got an email through from, oh, you even put the name in there, John. Uh, Alistair, we'll just call him Alistair. Alistair, okay, so he's got here basically, I just listened to the latest episode that jogged my memory back to John, sorry, Brett Sutton. To the interview we did with him, I have no relationship with either coach, but people like Tim, in my opinion, are ruining triathlons. Are ruining fired it, John. up. Okay, swim, bike, run is a growing sport, and how can I sell a complicated philosophy to justify my bill? Oh, yeah, he get that out. The gloves are on. I don't think Brett Sutton and Tim will get along too well. Yes, each has an individual to themselves, and styles and techniques can vary, etc. But please don't give me all oh, that BS. Uh, can you see as an athlete in any sporting industry it's so hard to get on and improve let's look at some bullet points so bullet points so he's basically broken down the different philosophies that Brett gave us and Tim gave us so Brett says swim pedals boys over distance no gym concentrate on meat and potatoes rather than the fluff Janet Evans what was Janet Evans well, Janet Evans just like a windmill swimmer just just gets in there and arms just go around like a windmill. Okay, swim, swim, swim. So not 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 your, not, class, sorry, not, your technique. not your classic technique. Okay, all for first thirty k on the bike as swimming is so out of condition. Uh, 40, 100s, 20, 200s, 14, 400s, etc. Three point eight is three point eight, which is. Brett is a big kind of advocate of just getting in the pool and doing 3.8, isn't he? Mm -hmm. um, let's also give your stroke where you don't need to be flexible. Give your stroke where you don't need to be flexible. Also, swim four times a week if you, even if you're a rock. Tim's got, when you go fast, your hips go up naturally. Question uh, mark. Was that? Question mark. Question mark. He doesn't miss. Uh, a guy helps us who worked at NASA. Give me a break. <laughs> uh, ankle flexibility. Get some flexibility. Should I go and buy some from the store? Uh, gizmo, stroke cycle, DPS, uh, stroke cycles again. Angles, 98 degrees this and that. Sweet spot for pull. Flatten the water, etc., etc. Get strength by going to the gym. Ironman program, which is pretty slick. 15, 10, 15 watts at 2.3 seconds in the water over four or five months. Really not that impressive, surely. Uh, when he started talking about 1.7 seconds, I turned off. Oh. Learning to swim has you been... You should never turn off the podcast. No, exactly. You yeah, back <laughs> it up. Fast forward at least. Yeah. <laughs> uh, learning to swim has been the most frustrating three years of my adult life. People like Tim have filled my head with so much BS over that time uh, versus listening to your Brett Sutton podcast about nine months ago. I cleared all of the shit and just swam 3,800 strokes. Last bullet point. Never put guys <laughs> this guy on again, please. We love the passion. It's a great thing when you get people passionate about yeah, things. It was definitely fired up, I'll tell you that much. So, Jumbo, you're going to go, just A, let him breathe and share your thoughts. Deep breath. Uh, so, yeah, for, for the guys who, who haven't listened to it a few weeks ago, it was Tim from Magnolia Masters. And we had lots of, um, you know, he's had a, a lot of successful swimmers go through his program. He gets pro athletes to go down, who go down there and actually swim in his program, maybe pre-season and do a little bit of a swim camp. So we know it works for a lot of people. And, uh, and it's just, a, you know... Difference of opinion, but I thought I'd, I'd sort of share my advice because oh, you could get well, fired up here, John. I hate, you don't want to sit on the fence, but I kind of do fall somewhere between the the two camps. So Brett Sutton is very much someone um, old school. It's old school, but I think if you actually in his environment, I bet it's a little bit more complex than perhaps what some of us think. So yeah, he's, I think he does a lot of that sort of stuff. You know, forty one hundreds, twenty two hundreds. 
3.8 continuous uh, and, and and all good stuff. Whereas I think if you go to you know Tim's setup, it is very much more okay. We want to do you know a bigger variety of sessions, get a little bit more technical, do do quite a bit of speed work and stuff. But I'm sure Tim still does um, plenty of endurance work as well, but a lot more technical work perhaps than Brett does, and a lot more speed work. So, um, like anything, you know, and you will have heard on the show a gazillion different opinions whether it be on different ways of doing bike training different ways of doing run training my god if we tried to to talk about nutrition again then you know we've had guys of very high level professors saying okay eat this way eat lots of carbohydrate another one saying don't eat any carbohydrate um and there's so many different opinions and uh yeah at the end of the day you got to work out what's right for you. And Alice has worked out that the Brett Sutton method is right for him. Doesn't mean to say it's right for everybody. But I think a few things that I, that I sort of believe in is that if you're new to the sport, you kind of go through a little bit of a life cycle that you got to work through, and then you got to sort of find your your what actually works for you. But you know, when you first start out swimming, um, I think if you go straight to Brett Sutton technique, then perhaps that's not going to work for you. I think that you know your first couple couple of years you do have to try to iron out those big technical deficiencies that you've got um, rather than just going in the swimming you know 38 100s on a certain time with terrible techniques so I think you uh, during that first few years investing some time perhaps more a little bit more in the the Tim camp where you are going to be doing more technique maybe a bit of video analysis and less hard swimming or less really um, repetitive swimming you know I think you're going to get bigger gains but I think working on your position in the water um, making sure you're not doing anything uh, majorly wrong and trying to figure out the type of stroke that works for you and I think that's where perhaps you'd look at um, uh, guy in Perth, um, great name, Newsom, Paul Newsom. Oh, they they, they yeah. had that, that sort of swim types, and they're yep. sort of saying, so you don't have to swim. There's not one perfect way to swim, but figure out what sort of swim type is going to work for you. And then they've got a bunch of um, you know techniques, side of things you can do there. But I do encourage you if you, especially if you really suck with swimming. So Bevan, you you know Bevan's a little bit different. When he got into swimming didn't really suck at it you know you, you weren't good swimmer but you could swim pretty reasonably and you probably it's weren't it's pretty amazing because I never swam mm. you know like I, like when I started to try triathlon I was a guy who swam with my head above the water like mm. literally and then I yeah it's like uh, like I was a now 10 guy when I started but that's not terrible is it no you know and then by well my first Ironman I think I did an hour 10 so I was trained for that but and that was probably four or five months swimming so yeah I did pick it up pretty quickly and then but I, to be honest I did think about my technique, but I didn't put that much time into it. For me, it was just work. Mm. And, mm. and the whole concept of just trying to feel the water was the thing that I, you know, and just not crossing my midline was probably the two things that it... But you see, there's some people that, you know, maybe they're hour and a half swimmers, if not slow, and it's a lot, takes them a lot longer to, to get swimming. And yeah. they, they're just, they're, like, you might have gone from that struggling to swim one length to being able to swim a K pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Whereas a lot of people really struggle in that space to actually get to be swimming efficiently. And those people in that sort of um, part of their, again, their life cycle, I think they, they, for them spending a big investment of their time on technique, body position, getting some good, some really good coaching and just trying to get, you know, a little bit 
more comfortable in the water, I think, is much better than just trying to go and thrash length after length. And then, but then once you sort of settled um, settled on your stroke, then I kind of agree with um, maybe the Brett Sutton technique a little bit more because uh, you're going to then you're going to start to plateau and then you've got to you know, start to add in a different stimulus. And when you get to that level, then I think that's when you've really got to work on your endurance space. And again, if we use Bevan as a bit of an example, you know, once he was maybe one or two years into his career, then that's per- perhaps a time where you do need to be going out there and and just getting a big base in there and and then you know following the Brett Sutton technique but you know I think once you've done that for a couple of years for for you guys that have been maybe doing that then again you're going to start plateauing and that's when you need to start adding in different stimulus so um then you'd maybe switch back to the the, the you know maybe the Tim the Tim's camp where I think you need to then start Having a lot more variability in your swimming, um, so you know you need to do some very hard stuff, and you need to do some easy stuff. You need to do endurance, so you kind of need to have that full, full range of um, sessions. So you'd still go and do your, you know, your thirty-eight one hundreds. You might have one, you know, if you in your season build-up, you might have one session where it's going to be more endurance, continuous, steady swimming. So like a sado type workout. Um, another session might be more speed based and then you might have your open water stuff so just going to the pool every day and doing 38 100s or 2200s or 3.8 continuous uh, yeah you're going to get fit but I do think you're going to start to plateau and most of us do want to sort of keep uh, keep improve, improving it's funny I just kind of think of my own swimming experience because you know even just doing this when we did it on the camp a few weeks ago mm. um, for me as a swimmer, it, the concentration levels always had to be kind of high mm-hmm. because for me, you know, for you, I, you probably think about your swim stroke a little bit, but yep. not really, you know what I mean? It's kind of, you think of that learning model, that kind of conscious, subconsciously incompetent, consciously incompetent, mm. consciously competent, subconsciously competent. And so you'll be in that kind of subconsciously competent place. You just don't need to think about it. Mm. And I kind of, you think of that learning model, you know, at first I didn't really know what I was doing. And then I kind of found competency, but it was always something I had to concentrate on. I, then I got to maybe competent, competent at a basic level. I don't think I ever got to subconsciously competent with swimming. Mm. I never got to that place where I couldn't swim well without thinking about it. Mm. It was definitely even, you know, I just had to always think about, you know, are you feeling a stroke? Are you kind of, you know, it was kind of always on my mind. And, um, you know, whereas I think someone like yourself was just brought up swimming. Mm. Sure, at times you're probably thinking, how can I improve and all the rest of it? But you, you don't have to put that kind of effort into making sure I'm getting as much efficiency out of my movement for as less energy as possible. And I think that's one of Alice's key points is you just get thrown so much shit and, and yeah, in terms of, you know, Tim maybe threw, threw a lot of different ideas and when you've got 20 minutes to paraphrase how to swim correctly, it's pretty difficult for anybody to yeah. get stuff across and, and and I think I had this as one of my points later on. Yeah, I, well, I get what you're saying about the conscious and non-conscious swimming. I'm, whenever I'm down at the pool these days, there's usually, if I'm going through a hard set, there's probably two, I'm probably focusing on two things at any one time, whereas it's very easy to clutter your mind thinking, okay, let's get my catch right, yeah. let's get my pull right, what are my hips doing, what's my head doing, but just break it down to any one stage, think about two things, and for me, that can make as much difference as uh, you know, maybe two seconds per hundred, in terms of if I just think, right, get your bloody head down, and focus on that for the next uh, next repetition of 200 metres, or, or you know, I'm going to work on a particular part of my catch, but I'll only ever be thinking about really two things other than you know uh, in terms of getting my intensity right but then in terms of technique there's usually only two things so do and, try and to I think, think maybe for the newer swimmer you should just even have a block of focusing on something mm. so you might go okay well I'll get an analysis done and, and to be honest one of the best things you can do is film yourself oh 
God, you yes. know, by country mile, you know, because it just doesn't lie. And, yeah. you know, and you can tell people to the blue in the face and you show them, mm. no, and they're, oh, yeah, yeah, I oh, know. And then mm. you show them a film, like, oh, shit. Mm. You know, and um, so you could do that. And you might just see your hand always crosses your midline. And so that, mm. you know, for the next kind of month, I'm just going to focus on my hand crossing and just that kind of incremental improvement over time. You, you know, improving your technique will help. Absolutely. If, you know? if you've got a training mate, best thing you guys can do is just get your iPhone out. It's so easy nowadays. Video it, and uh, you don't need a great coach to be there. I mean, they'll pick up lots like of little things. Video as well. Yeah, but there's one. What is it? It's not UberSense. It used, it's called Huddle or something now. Uh, but it used to be called UberSense, and that's a great little app where you can go in and you can slow mo it on your on your um on your device and, and really freeze frame stuff. What would you say and the three biggest technique things would be midline dropping hips. Midline, and then that's a really easy one to uh, probably, probably hand entry, crossing over your your body, and then probably hip position, which is often related to your head. Yep. So those are probably your main things. If you're if you're look, looking forward, then your hips are going to drop. Uh, so you need to be looking. For most people, needs to be looking almost straight down. Hand entry needs to be roughly in line with your shoulders, and then uh, then that crossing over is a major one. And those are probably the three things I think Basic we really need to, to iron yeah. out. Uh, your catch is a lot of people don't have catch. That's a little bit trickier to get. But if yeah, if we we're going for three things, that would be it. Um, I think what we're going to do as well is um, balance things about uh, between getting what's probably right for you in terms of doing the right intensities in your workout versus what you enjoy doing so you know i've been telling um good old ian wood uh, he's yep. uh coming on camp and i was you know sort of saying we're going to be doing 100 100s on uh on my birthday <laughs> and you, you might want to be ready for that and so you know i said go and do what time are you going to try set on oh mate it's going to be zombie swimming <laughs> it's going to be on day 10 i think it is so so it will, it will, we'll be in that pool for will a long you put time, on a time? Uh, well, we'll have some time targets, but if I was going to be going and doing it now in a fresh state, uh, we'd be breaking it into 20, so you're allowed to have a rest every 20. I'd probably go for um, aiming to do them on 140s, probably, um, and they're coming in on sort of 130s would be about what I'd aim I'd for. I'd probably be aiming for about one on probably maybe 250s. <laughs> yeah, but I, I would say I will be, I'll be doing probably on 150s or something like that. It's a long course, outside pool that we're so going to do. So I don't want to take it? it? If we're you're going to do 150s? Forever. Really? Well, let, let's say so let's say let's hours? say you know average two minutes because we'll have a break every every twenty. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, two hundred minutes, two, three hours, twenty minutes. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time to be in the pool. What's the longest time you've swam for? Uh, that'd be I've I've only for some ten I've some some ten k a number of times, but uh, but that yeah, and it takes so you what about two and a half hours, two hours. When we were kids, it didn't take that long, but um, God knows I can't remember the last time I did it. The last time I did it was uh, in France. That would have been about. 2000 I think my biggest one was 6.8k on Epic Camp one time we did yeah. a long swim yeah so it's going to be a long way I wasn't, wasn't that appealing to go back and do that again I tell you but I guess yeah what I'm getting at here is um, <clears throat> the Sato technique works for, for a lot of a lot of people really like just getting in there going right 4100s keep it simple yep. a lot of people like Ian said I did 25 the other day he's swimming by himself and he was just about going Going crazy by the yeah. end of it, and a lot of people like that. So, there's a kind of a mental toughness to to do the workout you don't like. Yeah, you know, because some people kind of just always do the thing they like, and we've got to get some adversity. We've got to get yeah, we've got to get that balance right between doing what you know is right for you, what's really going to work for you on a physiological level, versus what you enjoy doing. And I think if you you know take like, say Tim workouts like Tim was suggesting, you know, where you're doing a bit more speed work. A lot of people find that stuff a bit more enjoyable than just going banging out 10 400s in the pool. So you kind of got to get that balance right. Um, what else did I have sort of here? 
I think probably a couple of other things that we Tim was sort of focusing on doing you know more speed based work you know hundreds twenty fives actually getting you swimming faster definitely agree that that's got its um, got its place especially if you're a, a, a more seasoned pro and you have sort of just done years of endurance I think speed work is fantastic for you probably the what we talked about sort of the, the three technique failures that I see that you see as real common things I think in terms of the the components of workouts where a lot of athletes miss out is doing those sort of 400s, 800s and continuous swimming. Uh, if you're in a squad setting, you know, often it's lots of 100s, 200s, maybe some 400s, um, but it's a lot of hard swimming, lots of rest and you're standing around, whereas, you know, sometimes you just got to get in there and do some some 800s, some moderate moderate effort 800s, some continuous swimming and, and what have you. So if, if I was to say that that's the one area that's missing out of a lot of athletes' program, it's that sort of medium distance stuff and and continuous swimming um, one thing that uh, that Tim wasn't on board with but uh, Brett certainly was is bands and strength work and uh, and I think that's just fantastic and I know Sato is a big big believer in that so uh, Melina Melina's always got yeah, to be love the bands love the bands oh I hated the bands uh, <laughs> and I was like a fish out of water in the bands that was the problem I was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one point that, that Alistair made there, you know, Sato said four times a week, even if you're a rock. And I just think that's a little bit disconnected from the real world. You know, I, I absolutely agree. Four times swimming a week is really, really good for you. But if you're swimming four times a week, you've got to be biking four times a week. You've got to be running at least four or five times a week. And, and, and there's a lot of athletes that do that. But for your average age grouper to be able to do, you know, 12 sessions per week is is a little bit much uh, certainly from my from athletes that I coach it's uh, that's just not sustainable over the over the long term so whilst four, sw- four swims per week is great I think it's much more realistic uh, and a better use of your time so for most athletes to be swimming three times a week if you've got a, a family <coughs> and a full-on job otherwise I just think it's, uh, it's, it's history. Not, yeah it's not gonna not gonna end up end up pretty <coughs> so massive difference between one, two swims, still a really big difference between uh, two and three swims. Difference between three and four swims, yes, you get some really good gains, but investment of your time versus what else you could be doing, I think uh, three for most people who have got jobs and uh, family and stuff, that's probably about the best you can hope for unless you want to end up on the divorce heap. What do you reckon, you know, because one of the downfalls, and I know this is definitely a fault of mine as an athlete, was that I just wanted to train. And I, looking back, if I were to do my time again, you know, always wise after the fact, mm. I would have committed more time to just, you know, maybe technique sessions, including, you know, because I kind of just always wanted intensity in my training, yes. which I loved. But, um, you know, I'm sure I would have got more gains if I kind of had a different approach. What do you say, like if you were to put percentage terms on it, how much time should we be kind of allocating towards, you know, technique kind of work within our mm. program? I would say in your race build up, not a, not a huge amount. If you're going to do, you know, do a good technique block, do it as a block. Do it as, as your off season, um, and or, or you know, like a, f- a four week period where you're going to focus on it. But when you're in your race build up, say your last, say twelve weeks or so, I would just be doing small little um, parts as your um, part of your warm up. 
and then if you were going to do any recovery swims, I would say percentage-wise, I don't, I don't have a number, but not very much. Uh, but then think about saying, right, you know, my racing season is going to finish in October, whether it be Kona or, or some Northern Hemisphere event. Uh, maybe chill out in November and then through December, I'm going to spend four weeks um, yeah, either doing more swimming or just technique-based. So I'd, I'd suggest doing more in blocks rather than so thinking. Kind of, as you periodise your season, you kind of go mm. in off-season kind of maybe strength phase I'd also do technique work absolutely like yeah, yeah. still still incorporate a little bit of technique stuff in, in your warm ups and stuff and I find it just gives you know I might just do uh, after a warm up do you know 650s drills before I start a main set just to sort of get the body moving in the right way but I certainly wouldn't uh, in, in my main build up wouldn't go down to the pool and do you know a technique session unless I was specifically going there to do some recovery work if I was completely smoked but for me these days I'm not trying to say busy, but you know, you've when you're um, when you've got there's more demands on your job. There's more. There's quite a lot of demands, and um, in a race build-up, it's it's mainly about fitness building rather than technique building. The only other thing I would say is is it is you know like when I've been I'm going to read that book Peak. Have you read Peak? No. So the guy who basically came up with the concept of ten thousand hours, he was Mm. the guy who wrote the the book's called Peak. But he's he was he was quite disturbed by how ten thousand hours became the thing because he said it was kind of off point, mm. um, and you know that it's not just ten thousand hours; it's deliberate practice. You need feedback and all the rest of it. But he's really big on the feedback aspect of it, mm-hmm. um, and often that's the biggest problem is that we don't invest in the feedback, and that's like we were saying before. You know, you need to video yourself, mm. and and there's levels of feedback. So there's self feedback. But it is worth investing in someone who has a high level of knowledge to give you feedback that you just can't see because mm. there's levels of wisdom and knowledge that, you know, if you're a new swimmer, you, you might not know that crossing my arm or crossing midline is the problem or dropping my hips. Mm. And so to get someone with a deeper level of insight to give you that feedback in that kind of period where I am going to do my technique work is probably a really valuable investment. So stuff to think about. Great to have some debate. And we don't have the one, but we've given you our sort of point of view. There's no absolute perfect way of doing it, but uh, yeah, got to figure it out yourselves. But if you listen to John, you yeah, can't go you wrong. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Yeah, it's, 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 and you're saying, if you listen yeah. to John, you can't yeah. go wrong. Exactly. Okay, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. John, this is a good, you didn't really back me up there. Sorry, yeah. I was opening, opening my link. Oh. You, you know, it's a good one. I've been, I've been cranking up the stats of late. The are going to love this one, aren't they? They are. So the uh, ITU at the end of last year, did the ITU World Championship Series History and Stats. So it's 2009. Yeah, so what happened in 2009, that's when they moved moved their model away from having sort of World Cup races and then a World Championship event, uh, whereas then it became sort of more like your Formula One racing and you have a series, points are all allocated to the series and your world champion was the winner of the series. You still had the grand finale, bonus points and the person and that's the most prestigious race of the season to win but uh, the big noise they were making about is about the people that win series of events and um, and yes yeah, so that's so because a series win so in this here like for example Bevan Doherty's fifth place he's got two no no that, that's how many um, world series races they've won oh individual Jeez, events it's been dominated then hasn't it yeah so three names just have owned the sport mm. the male side of things so in terms of this, uh, so there's been 57, this is up until last year, there's been 57 World Championship Series events. So six years of racing. Yes. Great Britain has won 39 out of a possible 114. Helps if your last years. name is Brownlee. It does. <laughs> so Brownlee is just crushing. Or He's both had, of them. 
nine, 19 wins. Javier Gomez is second and 12 wins. Jonathan Brownlee is third and with 10 wins. Oh, they have dominated the sport. They, they have. have. That, that is domination. Because then you've got uh, Moller's won three, Doherty's won two, Fredino's won two, Silva won two, Murray two, but everyone else is low single digits. And yeah. these guys are just, what a domination of a sport that's so been. There's two, four, six, eight. 10, 12, 13. So only 13 people that have won a world championship race up until the end of last year on the guys' side of things. And, and only... And only and a couple more on the girls, maybe 15. Less than 10 have won more than one. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's, that's crazy when you put it in that perspective, isn't yeah. it? So very crushing by Brownlee, Gomez and Brownlee. And then the girls' side, the girls side's a little, little bit more sp- spread out in terms of who's won, but it's basically been who's won when when Jorgensen hasn't been there because she what, has won 15 races. Which race did um, Reef win? Uh, Daniela Reef. I couldn't couldn't tell you. Was she good at ITU? Daniela Reef. Yeah. She was she was good. She won the race. Yeah, and but I, I'm pretty sure that was one she got in a, in a breakaway. Oh, okay. Um, rode off the front, so she was a good strong biker. But if it came down to running race, she was more of a top tenner versus a yeah. If a Gwen Jorgensen wasn't in this picture, the girls are actually pretty even. Yeah, uh, she is, and she's killing it. <laughs> Emma Moffat uh, has won five. Paula Finlay, whatever happened to her? She's won five. She, I think, what she, did happen to her? She hasn't even qualified for the Olympics. She's sort of been on the comeback on and off, but I think just a lot of injuries. Um, Nicholas Spurgs won four. Lisa Norton's won four. Andrea Hewitt's won three. Annie Haug's won three. Jodie Stimpson's won three. She would have got a few more last year and this year, though. Uh, Helen Jenkins, Emma Snowsill, obviously it was at the end of her career. Um, so, yeah, quite a, quite a few a few more on the list, but still only 15. But the name of the game is uh, Great Britain dominating. They've won 57 so that's, that's the official stat is uh, out of 57 World Championship Series that have been consi- consistent, contested since 2009, Great Britain have won 39 medals out of, 39 of them out of a possible 114. And the state's the second, but it's basically one because of one athlete. Yeah. <laughs> Spain's third. Mm. New Zealand, we're in about seventh or eighth. That's thanks to Andrea. Yeah. Oh, and Bevan's Bevan got a couple. a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, whatever most championship series medals in each season Gomez won eight in one season so he's actually the one had the most successful season in that time that was last year mm-hmm. so he won eight races last year hmm no, there's only that many in the series that must be wrong yeah or maybe maybe this is not not just the world championship series is that different it's, it's world championship medals oh medals so sorry. he would have got been on okay. the podium eight times okay most wins in the season yeah there we yeah. go Wow, well, there you go. Alistair Brownlee's still, it's going to be so interesting to see what sort of shape he gets into. Do you think he, he's going to, do you think he can be there? Oh, he'll be there. No, no, but I mean, you know what I mean, like in the race. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, th- I would, yeah. Again, would bet against him? If I had 10 bucks to put on one person, I'd put on Alistair Brownlee. Still? I think so. I think Just if because if, he's, if he, he is the best athlete. Yeah, but we haven't seen anything. Yeah. Because even that, we've seen nothing. When was the last time we saw Brownlee do something? Yeah, it's been a while. I hope he's there. I think you know, want him to race. You know, mm. you want the champion to be in sharp form on the biggest day. Mm. I would just love to. Uh, it's not going to happen, but I would love to see like four packs on the bike. What time of day will it be on? Do you know? It'll be a good time of the day. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be. Uh, it'll be good time for us anyway. Good times. My prediction: Bevan Docky is coming out of retirement. Yes, <laughs> he's going to win the gold. He's going to finally get that gold. Yeah. Um, it's a pity Docky didn't really make it at Ironman, either. She's never cracked it. Well, yeah. no, that's not true. I mean, New Zealand cracked it, but outside of New Zealand, yeah, never cracked it. Yeah, just as 
stomach, basically. Yeah, no, it's just yeah. as a bugger, mm. you know, because it was our kind of saving hope for us. Too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, at least yeah. we got Bevan coming through, and then. Okay, uh, that's a good statistic. Okay, product review, John. Product, when was last time we did a product, product review? Product review, Sen, I've got to give these guys a plug. Um, we had uh, we, we mentioned this on our pre-Christmas um, show. Clug. Clug. Get, getclug.com. And we, uh, I think it was, who's got Ed, Ed, uh, I think it's Ed Hawkins from... Um, oh, yeah, we used to email us all the time, from yeah. Ed in a long time. I think he posted this on terms of, we said, what's a, what's a cheap Christmas gift to get people? And he said, get clug. So I got clug. And uh, you're a marketing I, genius, Newsom. It's what it is. Does it work? It's basically just this little mount mount that you put onto your wall, and then it just holds your bike up vertically on on your wall. For me, I've now got a bunch of bikes in my garage, and they, I, my garage was just messy as shit, and uh, couldn't the bikes were all over the bloody place. Got these clugs, and you just drilled them into the wall and now my bike's all perfectly lined up and uh and you just basically roll your bike in and push it in and it just squeezes into this little thing so it squeezes around the tire yeah squeezes around the tire so you can you can obviously get hooks and stuff from your local hardware thing but then that sort of scrunches up your the insides of your um, wheels and can scratch and stuff this just slides in locks into place Exactly, and that was that was the thing that got me. It's like <laughs> you should have seen you some space. Yeah. In. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, oh, this this looks really yeah. cool. These things are probably gonna be, are going to be ridiculously expensive, but twenty bucks. I've got different sizes for um for road bike, for hybrid bike, and uh, I've got my mountain bike up there as well, which is qu- quite a bit bigger one. And I've been trialing it for for ages. Been up there, no dramas whatsoever. So it's cheap and a really nice, effective way, and just a cool little thing where you can keep all your bikes. In a nice vertical place and it's funny isn't it because you know like people like we're, we're very fortunate in new zealand where our homes are pretty big and we tend to have big garages so you mm. know but for people who live in big cities and stuff they often have to put their bikes inside and you know i, th- I suppose the thing about that is you're motivated to keep your bike clean yeah <laughs> you know like if your bike's hanging up against the wall at home you're always going to have to clean it down aren't you yeah exactly so so it's just a good little inexpensive accessory you gotta get getclug.com 20 bucks yeah it's really good and pretty mm. impressive Hmm. Ships in three to four days, John. Yeah, you know, depending on where you are in the world, get some different colours. Get the blue, the black, the orange, the white. Bevan, Kona's coming up. It's not far away. John is a little way off, but it's not really. We're coming pretty soon. Mm. Because what is it now, June? I'm going away for three weeks. Mm. You're going away for three weeks. Mm. We'll get back. That's August. Mm. August, you know, then days start to get light again. I know. September, Joe turns 40. Mm-hmm. Oh, she, no, she's late August. Mm-hmm. I always get the birthday wrong. I'm never, never sure if it's the 30th right? or 31st. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure it's the 30th. Yeah. <laughs> Go Pretty find sure. a passport. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, no, I know, but I always forget. Mm. Um, so she's turning 40, so we've got that, and then Kona will come around. Yes. So if, you, if you're qualifying for Kona or if you're going to Kona or other races around the world, we've got Endurance Sport Travel back on board this year uh, supporting us over in Kona. So... If you go to Kona, also they'll be doing the Gold Coast. Yes, breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, put on good feed. If you're going offshore to a race and you want to take the hassle out of things, uh, go check them out. Endurance Sports Travel dot com. Um, especially, like, I don't know. I'm a cheap ass. I'd, I'd probably no, never use. I'd never use these services because I'm a cheap ass. But in the same time, it adds so much stress to your bloody life. Trying to, I just think if I rocked up in Kona or another race around the world. And you didn't have to worry about going get your car hire. 
You don't have to worry about going and navigating to your bloody condo or worrying if the key's going to be there. Uh, and you don't have to worry about going and finding where the, the best supermarket was. And you don't have to go to the bike shop and worry about getting your bloody bike sorted out when there's oh, 10,000 other bikes it, it trying to get done. It saves you so much... So, of course, you're going to pay... Stress reduction. Yeah, of course, you're going to pay extra for, for those services. That's a, that's a no-brainer. But, my God, if... Um, it would make your life so much easier. So the, the, those guys, the experts, especially over in Kona. Um, the thing is about these guys is they've been doing it for so long. And mm. you know, it's like in anything in life, the first time you do something, it's, oh my God, all over the place. And, you know, first time we went to Kona, mm. we worked five times as much as oh, we needed to. Ridiculous. <laughs> Nowadays, we're an efficient machine. Yeah. But, you know, and these guys have been doing these races, all these races around the world for so long. So they know the races. They know what's the best thing to do. So you can't really go wrong when you go mm. off these guys. And, you know, our experience and the experience we get from lots of you guys who have actually used them they're just man they're a great team mm. go to Kona and then like, you, you know a key part of the Kona course is to go out and ride um, you know the section out to Harvey you don't really want to be going riding 180 k's they'll be doing trips out to sort of uh, halfway out the course you can go and bike that that, that part and they also the big thing for if you've got families they organise a lot of the family activities um, and one thing you can do let's say you're going to like for example I'm in Germany right now it's coming up pretty soon it's only you know, five six weeks away and you can't sort your accommodation out or you kind of qualify early or something like that Go to the air, sometimes you can just kind of jump on with what they're doing pretty close to the race as well. And all you guys that are you know, thinking about going to the 70.3 Worlds in the Gold Coast, which uh, they've got a nice, cool, funky course, so a lot of you Northern Hemisphere athletes will have qualifying races coming up now. Gold Coast is just up the road from where Bevan said he was at the Sunshine Coast. Oh. Great part of the world. Um, but the problem when you go there is you, you usually have to fly into Brisbane and then it's, a, it's what, probably about an hour, hour and a half to, to get there. Again, just takes sort of the hassle out of doing that. So any travelling anywhere, check it out, endurancesportstravel.com. Make sure that you heard about it on IM Talk. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing those dudes in October. And those breakfasts, John. That's all I Looking forward to. Okay, Jombo, we've got a new segment. I see. There's a new segment on the show. Oh, you've only got it in my first oh, try. Sorry, my first try. I quite enjoyed this one. Okay, John Hancock came. We're Weirdale Triathlon August Bank Holiday. So bank Holiday. Why do you think Bank Holiday came around? Why do they call it Bank Holiday? Because banks were on holiday. There was a day for the banks, and that became the the national name for holidays in, in the UK. Yeah, yeah definitely is. Bizarre, isn't it? Very odd. You know, the banks control our lives, John. They yeah. take our profits. Bank holiday, 1992s. You've been doing triathlon you want to do pull -up point for almost point? as long as me. I've got one year extra on you, 1991 for me. And he was the same age as you too. How, how old do you reckon old John Hancock, Hancock is? No, I'm taking a piss. But yeah. How old do you reckon he is? Uh, I'm going to try to find out. Do you think we have it on his Facebook? I don't know. Are you going to insult him? That's the question. Are you going to insult him or compliment him? What do you reckon? Pull a number out, John. Well, if I'm 40, I reckon he'd be 45. Five, okay, I'm going to try things. Okay, you do it. Oh, you, we'll go, go John, start. John Hancock, the Weirdale the Weird Triathlon, August the Bank Weird Holiday. Weirdale. Oh, I thought you said Weirdale. <laughs> August Bank Holiday, 1992. A petty reservoir in the north of England. It just makes it sound cold and dirty. Chatting brightly to the guy next to me in my rather plummy southern accent, it's my first triathlon. Him, in a strong Yorkshire accent, well, that's a bloody stupid race to do as your first one. <laughs> and uh, good old Mount Snail loses both contact lenses in the oh, swim. Oh, no. That's not that? good. Uh, well, you just get water in your goggles, I guess. And, and it makes and, it pop out, does it? Yeah, well, your goggles get knocked off and then they come out and it's all over. Mm. As a result, rode my bike like a demon downhill. Uh, uh, no mountain snails then, as I couldn't see anything. Oh, no. At the finish, overheard some hardcore guy talking to his mate. I knew I weren't having a good day when a guy with a pannier pack came past me. 
At least I took my mudguards off. <laughs> At prize giving, I got the first novice. The organiser said he was our only novice today, but worthy of the <laughs> award. <laughs> oh, it's always good when you're first one, one of one. Okay, so Hancock for the for a record on Facebook, it's got his birthday, but not the year. Right. So his birthday is the fifth of February, but he's kept the year out of it. Well, you'd be able to check it, but you'd be able to. Athlinks would tell you what age group he's, okay. he's he's been in. I'm sure. Well, age group, okay. So athlinks.com. Yeah, you okay. look at his most recent result, and it might have the age. We're group basically stalking there. you, Mountain Snail, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, athlinks.com. Sign it. Okay, you talk about something else. Uh, so we've got an interview coming up now with Sandy from Extreme. Oh no, I'll, I'll do. I'll, no, we'll do my new segment first. New segment. Okay. So John, John, you're trying to be the nice guy. Yes. So we'll give an Iron Man a high five for some good things that we do, just so we don't complain all the time. Okay. You don't want to be a complainer all do the time. Do you want to do one for one? Yep. John Hancock, Mountain Snail. Ah, okay. You you, you complimented him. Oh, that was nice of me. Yep, yep. He's 47. Right. I don't know if you want the world to know your age, John, but they now do. The mountains now is February 2nd. Put it in your calendar next year, everybody. <laughs> right. You know, we can see him at 48th. And a couple of years ago, it was 50th. He's done. Here we go. He's raced 3,088 miles based mm. on Ethlinks. It's fastest half is 506. Fastest Ollie is 216. Mm. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm in 10. He's got that sub 11 in the I'm in 10.56, half, half marathon at 1.34. So. One thing I will say, if you want a fast race, planning is in progress. That what, you're going to put a fast race on? Uh, no, we might be doing a little I Am Talk camp next year in road. You and I? Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I've yeah. just sprung it on Bevan like, there. Well, <laughs> Actually, so, we should do that because then Joe and I can do our honeymoon afterwards. It's planned. So we're working on the plan at the moment is we're going to do an I Am Talk camp in front uh, and, and, and wrote. Haven't sorted out all the details by any stretch of the imagination. But if you're thinking about wrote next year and you want to do a little I Am Talk camp, the idea is we'll do a sort of a week-long camp around wrote and race the race. Are you going to race the race? I'm contemplating it. Okay, if you but do, I'm, I'll but do I'm, it. Well, no, that's the thing. We, we'll be there on media duties as well. So I was just trying to think, can, oh, we, can we do day. that? So yeah. If it's going to add to our our coverage of the rope, then maybe. Well, so. you could do it, and I'll just do me duties on race day. Because mm. if I did it, I'd probably do more to go and have. Oh, go yeah, and I, do it to have fun, and I actually would do see it what it's like, like. Literally, like we did the camp. I wouldn't yeah. train; just turn up and have yeah. the day. So it's it's still just we're just putting it out there. But if you're thinking, what am I going to do next year? And you think about rope. Rope. We're planning. We're yeah, the, awesome. the wheels are moving. Kim Kiyakaha's coming back. Exactly. Okay, Jumbo. So your new segment is Iron Man High Five. So we just don't complain all the time. Yes. So what is it? High Five? And it's, well, it's not really a high five. It's just sort of giving them a high five rather than oh, a traditional okay. high five. So high five Iron Man. So you get some things right. So, okay. So we got an email through from Roger Kenham. And he's got, Hi guys, I thought I ought to update you on the slot allocation from Iron Man, Texas. WTC bashing is a popular pastime for long distance triathletes. So I thought, I would write it would be right to give them some credit when it is due on your show last week Nadine now this is a few weeks ago after I Man Texas came on and spoke to you about the race and in particular mentioned my situation and that I was six across the line but they implemented a ruling to determine the podium and slots in that process I was deemed seventh at the 22 mile mark and therefore was not awarded a slot despite having being six slots and I was officially six across the line at the finish line. I made an appeal and I'm delighted to tell you that WTC have upheld that appeal and awarded me my slot for the World Championships. Well done WTC for doing the right thing and not hiding behind the corporate policy. And 
So it's good. We kind of insinuated that on the show that it did sound like they were going to be pretty reasonable about it. They didn't have an easy situation um, to deal with and there was going to be a few exceptions like Roger and uh, so good on WTC for miraculously finding some slots. But it, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. And also Mark Atkinson just sent through just saying, just in case you didn't know, Roger did get the slot, but he was saying, to be fair to WTC, Mike O'Reilly did make it clear at the awards ceremony that they wanted to be fair and that any disgruntled athlete should email why they felt they're entitled to a slot. Credit where it was due. Despite all the problems, I think it was a great race and I will definitely return. Nice. Another high five for WTC, mm. Andrew Howes. He sent me through an email um, about something else, and then he said, also, something else I've been meaning to contact you and Bevan about was I did the Ironman Certified Coach course recently. I know the two of you talked um, a bit about this when it first emerged, and while I wasn't sure what it was going to be like, I was extremely impressed by it in terms of the, both the content and the delivery. I've done a fair bit of online study and have never, never seen anything presented so well. The resources were excellent, and particularly the final written assessment was quite quite demanding and I had to devote a lot of time, effort and thought to it, which is a sign of a good course. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, good stuff. And, and Gina did it, mm-hmm. you know, because she just wanted to get the kind of the piece of paper behind her for because she's coaching mm. now. And she said it was really good. So well done. They, they've obviously done a great job of it. And that was the thing is that that was what we wanted to see. And, mm. uh, and, and it's good that it's demanding. It should be. Mm. You know, if you're going to be kind of coaching people, you need to make sure you've got the knowledge. And exactly. so, um, so well done. So, Pat on the back, WTC. We yes. love you. High five. High five. High five for extreme endurance. We'll put an interview. Oh, We've done an interview with Sandy here, so listen up. Okay, let me put a little pause in. Here we go. Here's Sandy. Okay, guys, we're um, very happy to have one of our long-standing t- supporters of the show, Extreme Endurance, Sandy from Extreme Endurance, back on the show. We know it's a fantastic product that we go on about all the time, but he's going to help educate us on a few other sort of parts of the supplement world maybe you guys don't know too much about so welcome back to the show sandy glad to be here and uh, thanks for having me back um we get and you probably get a lot of questions around um different sorts of supplements and i actually had one earlier this week myself um from from an athlete that i coach and sort of saying should i take this should i take that should i take this uh and one product that seems to be popping up a fair amount is beta alanine that uh i think a lot of people won't know what it is, but it's in a number of products and they think it's uh, the, the, the latest and greatest thing. So we're hoping you might be able to explain what it, beta alanine is and, and maybe explain how that how that's different to extreme endurance. Yeah, that's a, <clears throat> a great question. We do get that quite a bit ourselves. Beta alanine is not the newest and latest greatest. Actually, John, it was discovered <laughs> in Russia back in 1900 and it wasn't until 1930 that they, uh, in the 1930s, they actually figured out what it does. And so beta alanine uh, is, is a non-essential amino acid. And uh, it, it's been to- touted as, a, as an acid buffer. And then, you know, it, it absolutely does not buffer acid by itself at all, period, end of story. It is a precursor to your body's natural carnosine, which is a dipeptide, which is... Uh, in the body, which uh, uh, allows the body to buffer acid, your hydrogen ion. The problem with this product is, is that it's been touted uh, as being a, a great thing because it does, you know, buffer, you know, body acid. And as you and I know, being able to buffer that hydrogen ion really does allow the body to to accelerate and do more. So th- that's that science makes makes sense. The problem is. It's a very inefficient way to even 
attempt to buffer acid. Beta-alanine is, is really old school. Uh, if you think back in the 1900s and people you know, getting around the country with a, a horse-drawn carriage, that's kind of what beta-alanine is. And extreme endurance, we're in a Formula One, and it's the fastest thing on the earth, so uh, on a, in the form of a vehicle. So you basically have very old technology that people have been learning about, which is really old technology. It doesn't make any sense. And where you have extreme endurance, which is very rapid. Beta-alanine, if you start taking it, you have to consume a lot of it, and it takes four to ten weeks before it really stimulates the carnosine in your body to to actually work, to start buffering that acid. Extreme endurance, is, as well, we've talked about before, it's in your body within 48 to 72 hours. It, it, <laughs> it's amazing. We know it not, uh, with all the research we've done, that it not only buffers the hydrogen ion acid, but it also uh, reduces muscle soreness. We have clinical studies to show that it reduces CK levels, which is muscle trauma, dramatically. It reduces muscle burn and pain. It speeds recovery, and because your body recovers so much faster and you can keep training harder and harder and harder, it increases your VO2 max, and there are no side effects, which is, uh, is, is really remarkable. I mean, I, I still believe that in the next 10 years when extreme endurance, when people finally start talking about it because they don't want to tell their competitors, it'll be the biggest sports nutrition product on the, on the planet, and uh, so we're we're really excited about that, and we're actually uh, backing up our, our 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 claims, if you will, by doing additional research. We're currently doing a uh, research study at the University of Louisiana, and uh, we're going to be measuring performance. So we're going to measure buffer capacity, muscle damage, oxidative stress. As you and I know, when you guys train, you create a lot of free radical damage, a massive amount, which is not you know is very harmful to the body. So we're going to be measuring uh, oxidative stress reduction. We're also going to be measuring inflammation, which is a huge thing. And uh, actually, inflammation, when you do research on it, is really the cause of all your degenerative diseases. So a uh, very important study that we're, that we're currently being, uh, being done. It'll be finished uh, later this summer and will be presented to all the major research congresses here in the United States next July. So we're excited about that. Nice. Look, um, you, you sort of mentioned some research there, and, and you know, so many supplements and sports nutrition things, their 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 sales pitch is very much based off um, sort of testimonials rather than science. And you guys have got some fantastic science backing up what you actually claim through your testimonials. But you you mentioned to us off air as well, you're actually doing some other interesting studies, not necessarily super related to triathlon, but it's of uh, great interest around sort of MS. Yeah, if if you remember when we did that CK study and <clears throat> you released the audio on that on the video, which people can go to our website xendurance.com, and on the main page, if you scroll down on the lower right hand side, the, the video is there for them to watch. It's it's a remarkable study where we lowered CK levels in one week by you know like sixty three point five five percent, which is off the chart, and that's why. All of our, you know, major uh, sports teams here in the U.S. have started to um, take the product. Uh, they're they're buying it wholesale from us. We we're not sponsoring them simply because they, they can recover so much faster. But that study um, uh, produced uh, an inquiry from from Europe <clears throat> about a 
a gentleman whose young son had been uh, diagnosed with MS, and one of the biomarkers was increased levels of uh, CK levels. So we're doing a study here with a large uh, research facility, uh, a neurological study, people who study MS. Uh, we had to uh, submit uh, our protocol and, and research outline to uh, uh, a company called Research uh, 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 Western Institutional Review Boards, and this is a board that approves medical studies. And so what we found with our open-label studies is that MS patients just, you know, they recovered so much from fatigue. 75, I didn't know this, but 75 to 95% of people with MS all complain about fatigue being the major, major thing. So our study is going to, uh, to show uh, how we affect uh, fatigue in MS patients. We're also going to be measuring C-reactive protein blood levels, which measures inflammation. And inflammation is, again, uh, one of the causes of uh, MS. We have inflamed uh, neurons in, in the brain. And then we're also going to be certainly measuring CK levels, again, for those folks. So it's a whole medical study. We never thought that, you know, this great sports nutrition product we have called Extreme Endurance would have impact the, the medical side. But wouldn't it be amazing if we can actually help those MS patients and uh, reduce their fatigue levels. It would be, uh, it would be the greatest thing the sports nutrition company ever did because uh, being able to help people who suffer from that disease would, be, uh, would, would just, just be very gratifying. Mm -hmm. Awesome, Sandy. Now, we love the product. We know so many of the listeners uh, use it. And if you guys are out there listening and you know other people that uh, need that little edge up, make sure you tell them about Extreme Endurance. Check it out, xendurance.com. Don't keep uh, it to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself. Awesome. Yeah, yeah let's, let's start telling everybody. That's what's great about this uh, research we're doing at the university is that it's going to go to all sports. When they present this at all these congresses, you know, you're going to have strength training coaches. You're going to have – you're going to have football coaches. You're going to have you know track coaches. You're going to have all these coaches learning about finally this product from the scientific point of view. So we expect to have huge growth, but uh, we're going to get other people talking about this product rather than everybody keeping it to themselves. So yeah, <laughs> it is funny about people love their advantages, eh? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Awesome, yeah. Sandy. We love your work, <clears throat> and um, we will catch up with you again soon. Great. Thank you, guys. And, uh, yeah, have a great week. Thanks, mate. Awesome. Questions and answers. Okay, John, but we've got one from Jonathan here. He's going, Pro Ironman Financials. Came across this, and I thought it might be of interest to you. I remember you talking about the financials of second-tier pros before, and it gives a pretty interesting insight. So it came through from bw-try.com, where the rubber meets the road financials. So, so it's Brad Williams, a professional triathlete, very much a... I don't know what you'd say, sort of second or third tier, depends how you classify sort of pros, but uh, he's, he's done a bit of an article and actually broken down uh, his income. So, yeah, those guys who are, who are sort of, you know, maybe you know, getting fifths and sixths and fourths and stuff at, at sort of, you know, at your standard Ironman races really highlights how little they're making, to be honest, you know, in terms of Brad, you know, he had a little pie graph here, yeah. whereas, um, has he got what his total income earnings for the from? euros or is he just kind of, yeah, uh, so 20, $25,000, was his uh, total earnings yeah, overall, but, but of that 11,000 was from equipment sales, so, so basically, you know, ra race winnings was $3,967, oh, okay. 
sponsors is just under four. Pretty same. Coaching so, three, commission two and a half, bonuses eight hundred, bike rental two hundred. Yeah. And then he goes through and outlays all his uh, equipment costs as well. Um, so, you know, in, in, in Brad's situation, you know, he was getting some revenue from equipment sales, but it sounded like maybe he was then on selling some of his bikes. He was kind of buying bikes maybe at a cheap rate and then and then being able to off-sell them. But, uh, yeah, if you're interested to see, you know, um, how some of these second, third-tier coaches managed to get by, uh, go check this article out. And, um, it's a very good piece. Actually, he was working 18 to 25 hours a week while he was doing this. Mm. Um, but it's just honest. Mm. You know, because a lot of people don't want to kind of show that. This is great stuff, you know, and that's what pros need to do. You know, this is a good good way to, to draw people to your blog and actually get some coverage for your... Um, okay, but it was a lost business, so then he's got his expenses. So basically his income was 25000 expenses mm. was 26000 Yeah. So basically he ran, he lost $1,000 in the year. Yeah. You know, because he's got equipment, cost him 51%, transport was 16%, coaching cost him for his own coaching, 10%, hotels, 8%, bike fees, 5%. Entry eight four percent shipping and so on. So really, for him to race as a pro was was just a cut cost. Mm. So if there is any way you can support your local pros in terms of you know um, if you've got a choice between bike shops you go to and there's you know, you're kind of indifferent. If you want to support a local pro, you know, go and support the shop that they said um, say that they sent you in, and it might help them get a little bit of a bit of a leg up. It's not easy being a second third tier pro out there. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, John, the next one we got from Greg McDermott. He's got, hey, boys, first, firstly, congratulations on the show number 500. This must have been a while ago. Uh, what a milestone. I've done 20 podcasts myself and cannot even comprehend 500. I love dialing in every week, and it's certainly a must-listen show for me on my long rides and my runs. On the odd occasion, my partner, April, actually requests to go for some deep sleep music. Ha-ha. <laughs> Um, or uses it as deep sleep music. Well, that's not that's not what we want to hear. Put her asleep. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, in September, uh, I am setting out from Sunday to ride my bike. Sydney. Sydney. Sorry. Oh, so you spelled it wrong. Sydney. You missed the Y. Uh, to ride my bike the full circumference of Australia. I've attached my crowdfunding page, which explains how and why and a whole lot more. And I'll put a link down www.iamtalk.me. But basically, it's to show all Australians that anything is possible with the right mindset. I used to weigh over 110 kg and I was depressed and unhappy, drunk far too much and was going nowhere fast. I found you guys and did Ironman, did three of those bad boys and next month I will complete Ultraman Australia after losing 30 kgs. That is impressive. Mm. It's, I've never been overweight. Mm, me neither. So, and it was funny actually, my mate Jared, um, who I spent this weekend with, he was saying, you know, he, he had a period where he put on you know, like, 5kg mm. you know and he's a fit guy and he's always been fit but he's just saying it, it did start to get to you and just we just I can't comprehend what it's like to have that change mm. like it must be so empowering um Anyway, just it's a good example of showing people what that you can achieve, whatever you want to achieve. So he's basically doing that. So if you want to support him, I'll put a link to that on www.iamtalk.me. And it's kind of cool as well. And that's pretty much it when it comes to... Yeah, riding around Australia is a long way to go. Far out here. Yeah. yeah far out here. So who is Greg? He's a plant-based triathlete, Ultraman 2016 competitor, speaker, blogger. Lost 29 kgs in 2013. There you go. Good times. Craziness. Yes. Craziness. How long will it take you to ride around Australia? Uh, I'm just trying to figure that out. Quite a while. <laughs> you think? Yeah. What's the distance you reckon? Uh, okay, let's. I'll, I'll do a Google search. Distance around Australia. Okay. Uh, distance. How would you ask that question? Australia. 
let me, let me think. I'm going to say it would take you a couple of months. Okay, approximately 14,500 Ks. Mm. So if you're doing... 100 K a day? Yeah. 150 K a day? So that's, what's that? That's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not clever. <laughs> I'll put the calculator out. Yeah. It's a long way. It's a long... It's good with Greg and good luck. You keep talking because I'm doing this here. Divided by what? It's raining down there. It's cloudy. It's raining. No bunch ride for John today. 145 days. So it's kind of just under half a year. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Five months. Four good months. times. Um, you're not going to do a bunch ride? No, no. Are you actually, a few with a trainer? No, I'm not a few with a trainer. I actually did a time trial last night. 20 minutes. Me, me and the Philinator did a 20 minute time trial in the garage. Blinda comes in after taking a good swimming. Nothing like coming in and seeing a couple of guys oh, riding next to each other, the tops oh. off. We're in the middle of the time trial and she starts trying to talk to me about saying something. I didn't, 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 even, time, didn't even respond. Didn't wow. even look you, at you, her. You stonewalled her. Yeah, That's stonewalled the worst her. thing you can do in a relationship, John, is stonewalling. She got stonewalled last night. Mm. She should know better. Did you, apo- did you apologize afterwards? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, before we get into the gossip. Uh, sponsors or patrons? Effort. Uh, Oh, what did you say? No, no, pa- oh, no need patrons. Come on, people, on, pick people. it up. We need, we We've got to get to Kona. creepers. Yeah. For those who are patrons, you guys are amazing. You are we awesome. Love you. you know you are. You can stand there and just feel good about yourself. Yes. Because you're a good person. So remember? You're intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> you're wise. Amazing athlete. And you're in the draw to go to Kona 2018. Oh, patrons, we love you. Sponsors? Athlings.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. You're not just supporting a company who gives you makes you a better athlete. They're making an impact on the world, John. Exactly. And our patrons. And you know who you are. And again, you're a legend. Shit mm. singer. Oh, that was my little note down the bottom there. Okay, so so what happened? I shouldn't say shit. That was probably a little bit harsh. Uh, that was just my reminder. So okay. uh, part, party hard like on Saturday night. Oh, that's right. Back it up. You hit the 40th. You had some 40, some 40, 40, 40, 40 party for a few couple of mates. Big night. And yep. Yeah, Big night and lots of reminiscing, lots of old stories. Yeah, it was just, it was a back to school party. Like when you're drunk, are you the lovely guy? No, because no. you know you got different characters. You got the violent guy who everyone yeah. kind of stays away from when yeah. they get to a certain point. Yeah, you got the guy who just sleeps in the corner. That was always me. Yeah, and then you got the my mate, actually my mate Jared, with the get drunk. He used to be the lovely guy. Yeah, he's oh man, I love you, man, I love yeah. you. Give you the big hug. And, yeah, no, you know, no, you got sick of his love. No, that's not me. What, what character are you? I, don't, I get the get out on the dance floor. Yeah, start to rip it up. I, my drunk Bevan was the firecracker. Right. I am good when I'm awake. Right. I am the life yeah. of the party. I mean, you it's a out. short party. Mm. It's, yeah. yeah. That's what Joe says too. Um, <laughs> and good, good party. Good, good partying. But I was, I was sitting there and the, the, the band was, uh, they were playing lots of 80s, very 80s sort of stuff, yeah, which, which was great. Yep. But the singer wasn't great. But the good thing that they did was the music was so loud you could hardly hear her. Oh, so I was great. thinking that was a good tip for your for your group. No, if your singer's not great, I think it's good. He, he's he's a mean guitarist. He's a mm. good singer, um, but he needs to be warmed up. But you know, for what we do, he's great. Yeah. So I was just singing tip for Bevan. If your singer's crap, make sure your music's turn really on, loud. Turn on the piano up a little and bit. You can still you can still get the get the the vibe of the music, but you didn't hear her too bad. And if it was the other way around, it probably wouldn't have been as good. But they were good in terms of getting people up there dancing. So the question I have for you, John, is: Yes, did you get that drunk? No, I, I was nice at a nice level, but uh, what time did you finish up? About two. So oh. was, how are you feeling on Sunday? It was okay. We managed to ditch the kids. Oh, perfect. It was gold. So I, I, I get up at five basically every morning and really struggle to sleep. And if I'm required to sleep in, 
it's a bit of a struggle. I wake up at five and I'll but be... But do you have the ability to stay and go back to sleep? No, not usually. Oh, so no, I'm really, really very not good at that. I, and so Belinda's usually happy if I get out of bed because if I'm, I'm awake, I'm kind of... Just annoying her. I'm awake. Yeah. And we all know what happens. Suddenly <laughs> 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 Belinda's awake. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but this time we managed to get rid of the kids and I did actually manage to sleep till nine, nine oh, o'clock. Oh, that's so a big sleep That's, that's a that's normal, normal sleep, normal amount of sleep. So I was okay. So good times... And I got back from Brisbane because I had, had that late flight. Yeah. And I had to teach yesterday morning. So I th- got back, arrived home basically about one. By the time I got to sleep, mm. I was probably 1.30. Mm. Had to teach at six. So I was up at five. Oh, that's not good. And I didn't sleep that because the problem when you go to Australia is they're behind us. Mm. And so. On every front. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. And um, and I, I just, I was hoping to get a couple because I wasn't, I had to do one day's, or well, like four hours of work on Saturday. So I kind of thought, well, I'm going to get a few good sleep ins. Mm. And it didn't really happen. And so I was so tired. And yesterday I actually came home and went back to bed. Oh, yeah. Goodness. And I slept, which was good. Nice. What have I got you got? And that did time trial last night. How'd you go? How'd you have your FTP? Getting four watts, another managed to sneak out another four watts. I'm about ten, about ten or twelve watts below where I was at for Kona. So how's Phil in his fitness? He's improving. Yeah, so he had an improved performance last night. Shared a caffeine tablet with him before. I didn't share it with him. Said Phil, come on, we've got to fire up for this time trial. (laughs) Hit the no dose and uh, fired up for the the time trial. It does make a difference. Oh, absolutely. You really use it, yeah, big time. Would you use it racing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, really? Absolutely. So when do you take it when you race? Uh, on the bike, and then I'll take another one on the run. Oh, dear. And, yep, absolutely. No-dose is gold. Yeah, so what that about like if you did a marathon? Would you take it before the marathon? Yep, definitely. Probably wouldn't take it running in the marathon just because of the – well, no, I don't because of the intensity, so I'd get my caffeine from, from the gels. Yeah. But I think it's – 100, 100 milligrams in a yeah. caffeine tablet versus, you know, if you're having a gel, I think they're often 25. Um, so you've got to take a few more to get the same. But you're taking effect. more gels anyway, aren't you? Mm. Um, oh yeah, what's uh, up this week? Uh, so this this time in th- four weeks' time, we've just finished day one of Epic Camp. Oh, is it month mm. one? So I've got two weeks to my next exam. And is it going to be a hard one? Are you enjoying learning? It's uh, I'm a, It's good. And the marking, I've got to say the marking, so I'm doing it at a, at a polytechnic. The marking's pretty soft in terms of I, I'd recently got an assignment and uh, so I'm gonna have, I've got to hand this in. It's, it's not my best work, but God, that's all I've got for now. And you get quite a good mark and it takes the pressure off of the exam. So I've got, you know, this assignment was worth half of our mark. Okay. It did quite well. So, so you are going for C's get degrees philosophy? <laughs> I'm not. I'm going for, I want to learn. As much as I can in the As time much I as I can in the time I have. For example, at the moment, so I'm doing a macronutrients course, yep. and so I want to learn about how I can give good advice, and you know, so you know, this, this is how much protein you, yep. you recommend you have, this is how much fat, but it's, a lot of it's very chemistry based, and that's where I really struggle oh, is really? the chemistry side of stuff because I didn't really do the sciences at school, and it's like far out Brussels sprout. Really, I get all the nutrition side of it, but when you actually break it down to the chemicals, so like, oh, that's where I struggle. That's the advantage of having a really good assignment done. Now, don't in theory don't need to get many marks in the exam to the pass because I'm doing a, I'm doing a course right now and a bit more kind of lower key than what you're doing. But and and I do I I've actually been doing really well at it. But um, but the thing is is you do I always always think to myself the person marking is just a person who's going over the same answer over and over again, mm. and you kind of expect. They're probably not that anal when when it comes to the marking, which is um, you know I want to do good work, so my own kind of personal standards kind of make sure I do good work. But it is, you know, there is, yeah, you know, they are mm. only human, John. 
Exactly. They're only human. So outside of that, next few weeks is going to be not busy, but I've got a lot on in terms of getting ready for camp, getting staying on top of the podcast, making sure we're all organised for you going away. Yeah, because we've got a funny period because I'm and away for three weeks and then John's camp. away hmm. for a month or something. So, hmm. But it'll be good. Good in the hood. Bevan, what about in your world? Jombo, went to, went to Brisbane, mm-hmm. did a bit of work, but I hung mm-hmm. out with my two best mates from when I was about probably 11 through to 21. So 10 years mm-hmm. ago, these guys were my best mates. Your besties? Two things. Reminiscing, man. We reminisced for three days mm-hmm. nonstop. And it was like not one story got repeated, you know, because sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's just so many stories. And it made me realise two things, John. I am not the person I used to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And hopefully they're not as well. <laughs> no, they're not. And... Um, it's amazing. A, maybe I would have ended up in jail if life had gone mm. into a slightly different path. And B, I was a bit of an idiot. Mm. <laughs> but in a, in, a, in a funny way, man, man. Is, uh, uh, it's funny when you look back because I'm kind of, as a person nowadays, I kind of, I am someone who kind of has strong kind of ethics and morals and all the rest of it. And I was far from it as a young man. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't, I don't think I've changed as a person, but obviously I have because, mm. yeah, it was really fascinating kind of just talking and singing. What motivated me to be that person at the time of my life? But it was it was it was a very interesting kind of introspective kind of experience. But it was really cool. Sunshine Coast is just amazing. Mm. It's a beautiful place. Mm. You could definitely see why living there would be really appealing. Just weather and accessibility outdoors and stuff like that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, no, I had a really good time this this week. Just um, I, John, can I say I'm busy? You can. I can because this yeah, week. Yeah, no, you got a lot on. I've Don't got, use the word busy. We've got I've got a, a lot, lot of pressure on on my time, yep. and I'm going to have to prioritise things. And some things are going to have to get missed because no, I'm I think, I, I think I can do it all. Areas. I'm just going to be working pretty much every minute until we jump on the plane. Mm. But I've got a bit lot to do. But the good thing for me is I do have good systems. So I'll get it. I, I trust I'll get it's it done. You got that Monday meeting with yourself. Monday meeting. I, I you. I know you give me crap about it. <laughs> I reckon it's one of the best tools. A weekly meeting with yourself can be the best tool in your life. Bevan. Present. Yep, ever present. Anybody else here? Yep. No. Nope. Do <laughs> have a tape recording? Uh, yes, everyone else present? Yes. Uh, yep. <laughs> no, so that's about it, John. Any, any other funny things happening? Bands coming on. Oh, you know my haircut. My husband, yeah. How would you describe my haircut, John? Short back and sides? Short back and sides. Mm-hmm. Go to the hairdresser last week, John. Go to Rodney, Wayne and Rick and Moore. I went there last time. <laughs> back it up. You must have had a good, uh, good, cheap, good, good, good payment. Not cheap, not cheap. I normally like $25 for a haircut. What do you mean I'm paying 45 I think it was? Going mm. to Australia, I want it good. Now, I was kind of, I, I was working towards, I'm kind of liking the idea of growing my hair long again. Right. Not, maybe not the mallee, but maybe bringing it back. So if you saw me last week, I was a bit of a scruffy bum. Hair was yep. getting pretty long. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of thinking, you know what? You've got to go through the pain to the glory. Mm-hmm. But I was going to Australia thinking, I want to get my hair cut just to mm-hmm. be tidy. So I go into Rodney Wayne. And the girl goes to me, what do you want? And normally I just trust the hairdresser. Now, admittedly, I, I kind of not consistent with hairdressers. I just go to any random ones. Yeah. But I went to Rodney Wayne before Christmas and I got a really good haircut. So I thought, I'll go mm-hmm. back to there. I'll pay the extra dollars because I'm yeah. you know, doing some work. I want to look pretty sharp in Australia. Let's go there. And she goes, what do you want? I said, well, I'm, I'm, ideally, I'm actually trying to make go for a longer kind of happy you know, <laughs> yeah. look and she goes well what do you want and I said I don't really know but because I'm working towards length so she goes she pulls out the Google and shows me some photos she goes how about this one here goes, yeah that, that, that's working towards well look at it John <laughs> I look like I'm in the bloody military oh. <laughs> and the first cut she does is like you just and I'm like no coming back from no that <laughs> And I'm just looking at her thinking, what part? And at the end she goes, oh, it's pretty short, isn't it? Like, oh, did you listen? <laughs> so stay away from Rodney Rain, Rick and Amul. Right. 
Bloody no, you've got to get consistency. I got the same person every time. Yeah, I should do that, but yep. I just don't care G- about. Jess at Scissor Tracks. Where's Scissor Tracks? Young girl, just down in Beckenham. Um, at the oh, they're on the corner there. Yeah, by the, by yeah. the Jess. Say John sent you in. Okay. Young, How much do you pay there? She's she's one of the young girls, so it's it's not it's maybe thirty ish. That's what so you want. Cheap. Yeah. Cheap. Nice girl. How often do you hear that? Did notice, John. Six silver six surface doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> silver surface. Yeah, I'm, I'm not denying. I'm not bothered by it either. <laughs> Are you going to do the, the bit of put a bit of colour through? No, because Jeff no. the ref, if he didn't put colour through, he would be the full silver surfer. Right. Yeah. He and, and he puts colour through quite a bit. I think. Yeah. He does, you know, yeah. Just no, a bit of I'm color. happy to be a silver surfer. Yeah, but you're looking something that's the sophisticated looks. Like. You're 40, mm, John. I'm aging. 40's coming. Mm. You know. Everybody out there, sixth of July. Why don't you go out and do some 100 100s to help celebrate this? What are we doing in France? 100 100s. John's 100 100 day. Mm. Okay. For my 40th, we won't be doing that too that much. No. Another year, is it? I'm the um, August next year. Okay. Shows this year. 40 100s. What are you doing on your birthday, are you? Yes. Oh, what, yes. A, what a birthday present. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you don't know how to party until you no, party with you so much. Exactly. <laughs> Although, we have a few beers that night. Is that the end of the camp? The next day, so we'll have my sort of birthday sort of party, well, no, party night will be on the 7th. Mm. What are you going to do for your party night? Just go crazy, you know, as we do at the end of every uh, camp. Yeah, it's just local. <laughs> go yeah. run up a mountain. Yeah. Right up. Okay, I'm Russ. I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. Kaha.